Welcome to Understanding the Law. Your host for the program is Peter Lamont. Mr. Lamont is a business and personal law attorney and the principal of the law offices of Peter J. Lamont. The firm has offices in New Jersey, New York, Colorado, Puerto Rico, and affiliated offices throughout the country. Understanding the Law is a weekly radio broadcast discussing a variety of legal topics that affect our listeners. Please note that this broadcast does not constitute legal advice and does not create an attorney-client relationship with any of our listeners. As always, we welcome calls from our listeners. If you wish to discuss any of today's topics, please call our switchboard at 347-855-8831. And now, your host, Peter Lamont. Hi, and welcome to Episode 46 of Understanding the Law. Today we have with us Kevin Knight of the IWF, Independent Wrestling Federation. Uh, He's going to talk to us about how he turned his passion for um, the the sport and entertainment uh, of wrestling into a very successful business. We're going to talk to him. Kevin, thank you for being with us today. It's great to be on with you. Thanks for having me. And uh, before we get going, I just want to thank today's sponsor. Today's show is sponsored by Trigger Smart, creators of the patented childproof RFID smart gun. To learn more about Trigger Smart, visit them online at www.triggersmart.com. So, Kev, people don't know this, but you and I went to the same college together. That was another lifetime ago, Pete. <laughs> yes, we did. I mean, William Patterson University in Wayne, New Jersey. Uh, and we learned how to do things at the, you know, the, the television station and the radio station, and they were great times. And uh, I'm, I'm sure you can say the same. I don't want to speak for you, but just those experiences of, you know, on-hand knowledge and, and doing it and being thrown to the wolves on live TV, even though it was, you know, college TV, you know, I, I learned and it gave me a lot of tools to use for the future. Yeah, well, you know, what's interesting is that back in – Um, you know, the time when we were in school, things like social media and video and marketing, and it just didn't exist. And so some of the tools that that we learned are helping us now because we're able to kind of compete with, I don't want to say that we're old, but with younger people who have, you know, grown up with social media and YouTube and that sort of thing. So I definitely think that my background uh, at school helped me a lot. That's a great point. I remember... I started at the uh, William Patterson radio station first. And for those that, you know, don't know, William Patterson has a powerful college radio station. The communication department at William Patterson is right up there with the likes of Syracuse University and the, the top schools for radio and TV and communication. And I remember as a freshman walking into the radio station and I was doing the, uh, the sports play-by-play and sports updates, and I was a DJ. And then a couple years later, you know, walking into the television station, same thing, doing play-by-play, sports uh, sports anchor, news anchor on the news line, uh, nightly news program. And I remember saying, okay, great, whose job is it to get the word out about our shows and what we're doing? And they all gave me a look, like, uh, I don't know. So. Yeah. That's how I learned, man. We took it upon ourselves. I remember writing articles and press releases, first sending them to the campus newspapers, 
sending them to the local newspapers, local TV stations, anything we could to get the word out. And Pete, we did our own guerrilla marketing, and that's how we learned. You know, if we weren't going to do it, nobody was going to do it for us. That's right. That's right. I remember being on Newsline with you, and, uh, you know, I I was uh, in charge of the campus version of the radio station. You were on the the regular FM station, so you were a little bit uh, a rung above me, if you will. Um, But I I remember. I remember being there, and it was a great experience that's really translated, I think, into something relevant today. So I want to talk to you a little bit about um, your background, because... What we typically do on this show is, you know, we talk about uh, business and legal issues and how the two of them kind of meld together. And a lot of our listeners are very, very interested in learning how they can take their business and make it blossom. And that's certainly what you've done with yours. So let's talk a little bit about your background. Obviously, went to school together. We did a lot of the communication stuff. Uh, Where did you go after, after school? Um, you were really into broadcasting. That was what you were doing, right? Yeah, well, even while I was um, still at the William Patterson radio and television stations, I was also working at WGHT Radio. It was 1500 AM in Pompton Lakes, New Jersey. Just about, it was about maybe 10 minutes up the road down Hamburg Turnpike from William Patterson. And I started there as an intern a couple days a week while I was still at William Patterson going to school and doing radio and TV station. And then it blossomed into a full-time job. And, you know, I was the morning show sports guy and sidekick. And so this was around 95, 96. Still, you know, I'd be up at 4.15 in the morning, be on the air at 6 a.m., 10 a.m., work till noon, go to my college classes, then still do the William Patterson radio and TV. So that was how I got started in broadcasting, communication, and also learned about marketing and public relations because, again, here I am working at this quote-unquote professional radio station, and it's, okay, where's the uh, public relations department? Where's the marketing department? And they were like, um, you're your own marketing department for everything you do. You have to send all your own stuff out. And that was how I learned, and it just blossomed from there. And then uh, after working in professional radio for two and a half years, I then got into working uh, for the township of Nutley, which is where I am from, where I went to high school. And I worked uh, for the mayor of Nutley at the time, doing his marketing and PR and worked at the recreation department. I even wrote the mayor's speeches and sent out the press releases for the mayor and the township of Nutley because I already had this marketing and PR background from working in radio. And, you know, then from there I fell into the wrestling gig. Let's talk about that because um, you were involved in uh, wrestling even back at school. And I would imagine, like most people, um, it started off as a hobby or something that you just had a passion about, something you were interested in. You were a fan of professional wrestling. Yeah, I loved it. Uh, As a kid growing up, I mean, it was guys like Hulk Hogan and Rowdy Roddy Piper and Ric Flair, these larger-than-life personalities that made me fall in love with wrestling. And coincidentally... 
was a man by the name of the Ultimate Warrior that made me want to be a professional wrestler. I mean, once I saw him, and you know, as cartoonish and as corny as his character may have been, there was just something very motivational about his yeah. interviews that struck a chord with me. And just, I mean, we all have our superhero. We all, whether it's Superman, Batman, the Incredible Hulk, we all have our superhero. And he was my superhero. And, you know, he just, you know, motivated me to, to always believe and go and do things and make it happen. And you got to do it yourself. So the whole time while I was involved at William Patterson Radio TV and working in professional um, radio, uh, how I fell into wrestling was during this time, you know, when the local wrestling shows would come to town, they would give, you know, William Patterson Radio and WGHT Radio, where I was working, they'd give us free tickets to give away over the air, and we'd give them away to listeners, and then the, the local wrestling uh, promoter would invite me as the, you know, the local sports guy to come to the show, their show, and open it up, get in the ring before the show starts, grab the microphone, rile up the audience, throw T-shirts out to the crowd, that was what I did. That's how I got started in wrestling. This was about 95, 96. And I, I met a, a guy, wrestler by the name of Rick Ratchet. And he's also a very successful businessman. And he came up to me and he said, wow, you're pretty tall. And you have a good personality and you seem like you could talk. Did you ever think about being a wrestler? I said, no, I, you know, I'd love to be a ring announcer. And he goes, you're six foot five. You cannot just be a ring announcer. And that was eight. <laughs> That was 18 years ago, and here we are. Well, you said a lot of, uh, of interesting and important things. Um, first of all, you know, obviously it's been in the news, Ultimate Warrior, he, uh, he passed away this week, We're completely unexpected. And uh, about five years ago, I had the opportunity to talk to him. Uh, we were involved in the idea of writing a children's book, believe it or not. We had talked about it for a while and I was working with him and his um, his promoter at the time. And he, yeah, and he certainly, you know, uh, has a personality and a characteristic about him, or or had it, um, that I think is unique to successful business owners. Because, you know, wrestling is more than just a hobby. It's more than just uh, something that you do. I mean, it's a business. I mean, you you're making your living off of wrestling, which is really amazing because you took a passion, something that you didn't even, it kind of, you know, you always liked it, but it, it fell into your lap in a sense. And the idea of uh, being introduced to it, being a ring announcer and getting in there and seeing what it was like. And then, you know, it blossomed because of certain characteristics about you. And it's the same type of characteristic that a lot of the successful wrestlers had. Obviously you talked about how hard you worked back when you were in school. I mean, just imagine, I, I, most, most kids in college, the idea of getting up at 4 in the morning and then working until 8, 9 o'clock at night, that just doesn't happen. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you've got I, I, these characteristics that are unique to successful business people. Well, I mean, you were there too, Pete. I mean, we'd be, you know, again, I was up early doing my thing at the professional radio station and then going to class and we were doing our thing at radio and TV station at the college, and, you know, you were there. We'd be there till 8, 9, 10, 11 o'clock at night, and 
on the air ordering pizza from uh, was it Brother Bruno's around the corner, <laughs> William Patterson, and I'm just doing whatever it took to succeed. And I don't know if that's something that you can you can teach people or not. You know, you either have that drive and ambition or you don't. And sometimes it's hard to explain it to people. I'm sure you know every day people ask you for advice and tips and. So I know I get it all the time, and you can kind of read people to see, all right, are they just talking a good game? Is this momentary desire? Is this just a whim that they're coming up with, whether they want to get into being a lawyer, businessman, or in wrestling? You know, you can kind of read people, and you can see the passion and the fire in their eyes. And I was very lucky along the way to have a lot of, you know, veterans in wrestling and people in business that I look up to help me out. And I'm sure, you know, that they saw the desire in my eyes. And, and that's what I try to look for in, in people when they come and, and talk to me. And you can kind of tell, all right, this person, you know, this desire that they're talking about will be gone by the time, you know, they get home. Right. So, you know, you just have that in you or, or you don't. And I'm amazed at the amount of people that we went to school with at William Patterson Radio and TV that are successful business people. I mean, my play-by-play partner, Kevin Burkhart, yeah. who was from, from Bloomfield, the next town over from Nutley, he and I did the play-by-play on TV for William Patterson football, soccer. I think we did volleyball, men's and women's basketball, men's uh, baseball, women's softball, and then when I worked at WGHT Radio, the professional radio station, I hired Kevin Burkhart to work there, and then we did play-by-play also for the local high school football game of the week, um, men's and women's college basketball, and then high school baseball in the spring. And Kevin went on to be the um, field reporter for the New York Mets, on SNY, and now he's a Fox NFL Sunday football commentator, I believe with John Lynch is is his partner on Fox. Just, you know, the amount of people, I mean, people that have gone on to work at the Weather Channel, CNBC, NBC News. Um, Rich Kaminsky is a DJ on WLTW 106.7 Light FM here in the New York area, you know. I worked with him at William Patterson Radio. Yeah, so, uh, I I'm sure it. you have a list of people, too, that I forgot that have gone on. And just what we learned at that radio station and TV station, you know, thanks to guys like Dan Cleary and John Kiernan, you know, we really did learn. Yeah, I, I you know, you, you can't replace it. I think that of all the things that uh, I did study in school, the hands-on experience were by far the best because it's not just about learning how to edit an audio or video. It was about learning how to take an ambition and a drive and build upon successes and, um, you know, push through problems because you were forced to solve them yourself. You know, you had guidance, you had people that you could look to, but, you know, like you said, I think that it's true in business. I think that you either have it or you don't have it. And there are people that are meant to have their own companies and businesses and people that are meant to just work for others. And there's nothing wrong with that. But I do think that when people look um, towards the idea of starting their own company or their own business, I really do think that they do themselves a disservice to just say, hey, I'm going to go do it without 
taking stock of who they are and what their personality is like because you deal with a tremendous amount of rejection. You deal with a tremendous amount of stress and frustration. And the only person that you can holler at is yourself until you get people working for you, and then you can spread the love and holler at them. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, talk about, talk about the IWF for a few minutes. Talk about how you went from getting introduced into the idea of maybe changing your career path and how the IWF started and where it is right now. Because for those people who don't know, your company has trained – WWE wrestlers, Darren Young, you've been involved and you've had, you know, some some partnerships with the WWE. Weren't you a you were a druid, right? For the Ultimate Warrior, yeah. one of the WrestleManias. Uh so, talk about that. Yeah. yeah, well, um again, eighteen years ago when I was, you know, just a local sports guy, being a ham in the ring, opening up the local show. Rick Ratchet, who eventually trained me to be a wrestler, you know, when he said, you can't just be a ring announcer, I started training with him. You know, he trained me, you know, about the ins and outs in wrestling as well as some of the in-ring stuff. And I trained for maybe a month, and then I had my first match in May 1996. So that's just about 18 years ago. And I wrestled up and down the East Coast every Friday night, sometimes twice Saturday, sometimes also Sunday afternoon. And I wrestled for three and a half years the whole time. You know, at the beginning of that run, I was still working in radio. Towards the end of the run, I was working for the mayor in the township of Nutley, doing marketing, PR, communication, speech writing. And, you know, my the training I received was kind of on the fly, which isn't the right way to do it. So I still would go and, you know, there weren't many around. I would still go and attend the local wrestling schools. And this was about for three and a half years to brush up on my skills. And the one thing I noticed was these schools had no idea what they were doing. I mean, the the best thing they could get for Christmas would have been a clue. A wrestling (laughs) school... Wrestling school is not a place where you set up a ring two days a week and call it a school. School needs to be full-time facility, a uh, video classroom where guys can watch tape studies at their match. You need to have, you know, supplements, nutritional products, everything that, that these guys need. So for three and a half years, I just saw how everybody was doing it wrong. And I just took notes, studied, and said, you know, man, I – I could do it better than this guy. You know, not that I was comparing myself to other people, but just I knew that they weren't doing it right, and I wanted to provide a place for me as well as fellow individuals that were looking to get into wrestling, a place to learn. So I opened the IWF Wrestling School in December 1999, and I opened it not for me to teach but for me to learn. So right off the bat, I hired different superstars and legends from the world of wrestling to come in and help me teach the classes. So I could also, you know, continue to learn, but then so also I could learn how to teach. And we had Honky Tonk Man, Tito Santana, the WWE's trainer at the time, Dr. Tom Pritchard, who trained The Rock, Ken Shamrock, helped train Kurt Angle. Um, we brought in Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, Cowboy Bob Orton, John Bradshaw Layfield, Young Stallion Jim Powers, who's from the North Jersey area, um, Nunzio, who was little Guido in ECW, so on and so forth. And these legends 
taught classes, that's how I learned, you know, how to be a better wrestler and also how to be a better teacher. And the business just took off from there, and we did it the right way. And now, you know, our new location for IWF Wrestling School is in Nutley, 7,000 square feet. We're double the size of our previous building that we had in West Patterson, which now changed our name to Woodland Park. So the grand opening of the new facility will be May 1st, and this one you know, souped-up locker rooms and, you know, beautiful bathrooms and showers for the guys. There's a pro shop. They'll be able to get any supplies that they need to be a wrestler. Um, we're also going to have nutritionists in there, supplements. They're going to be doing meal plans for the wrestlers. So it's one-stop shopping. If you want to be a wrestler, that's the place to go. No, that's amazing. How, um, how did you, when you decided to start the business, what did you do as far as uh, – you know, financing and how, how you actually went about it because we get a lot of questions from people who say, you know, I can't afford to hire anybody and I, I don't, you know, regardless of the business type that they're in, they just don't know after they set up their company, they don't know where to go. How did you develop that skill and what did you do specifically? Well, by making mistakes. I mean, I didn't know either. When I decided it was, you know, I wrestled for three years, still had my real side jobs. And it was Labor Day weekend, 1999. And I said, you know what? I'm going to open a wrestling school. And I just put it out there. And the one thing I had done from day one when I started wrestling, you know when the wrestlers go out and we sign pictures at intermission or after the show, I would always interact with fans and spend time with them and take pictures with them. And the number one question I always got asked was, how do I become a wrestler? And for some reason, I've yet to figure out, I took down the email address or the phone number of all these people that asked me. I don't know why. It was gut instinct. Right. So for three years, everywhere I wrestled, I got contact information from all these people. Or I'd give them my number or my email. Or that's when, you know, the web was just popping up. So I'd give them right. my website address. And people always asked, asked, asked. I had this database loaded with people ready to go. And Labor Day weekend, 1999, sent out an e-blast. You know, hey, IWF Wrestling School is going to open in uh, December. With really no, I didn't even have a place. I just put it out there. I guess, I guess, it would, I guess now that's called market research or a focus group. Right. And I, I was bombarded with people that were ready to go. So, you know, I had uh, uh, two uh, small partners at the time, and we got our money together. And the day we opened, we had maybe seven or eight people sign up that day. So we made our money back the day the place opened, which is right. pretty much unheard of. Yeah, and I probably was not prepared to be off to the races that quickly, and it just worked. So before you get into anything, you do have to trust your gut. And like you said, you have to look in the mirror and realize, are you the type of person to run a business yourself and take a chance, or are you better off working for somebody? And, again, there is nothing wrong with that. You know, you have to analyze yourself so you don't want to set up yourself for, for failure. Not that you're going to have setbacks and failures and mistakes along the way, but can you handle it and bounce back from it? So, you know, I did the research. I had the people lined up, you know, and, and we were ready to go. 
So that's how it started. Now you're you know you're doing something, or you were talking about something that that nowadays is unheard of because with social media being so uh, prevalent in business, which is a great thing, it's a great tool. I think a lot of young companies and a lot of um, entrepreneurs have have lost the connection that they have uh, had in the past with people. And you just told us that you know prior to social media being so popular, you were out there collecting numbers and meeting people and talking to people. And it sounds like to me that you attribute a lot of the success initially to the fact that you did that. How important do you think it is to still have face-to-face contact with your clients and customers versus just relying on uh, electronic communication? It's number one. You cannot replace the human interaction or, or the connection with people. And that was something I had lost, you know, along the way and eventually got it back where, you know, I became burnt out from a while, for a while, because there's only, you know, so many hours in a day and so many people you could spend time with and talk to. And, you know, that's what you said about, you know, you got to hire other people and let other people do the work and take on responsibility. And that's something I learned, I learned throughout the years, but nothing replaces human contact, human interaction. Um, you know, I, I kind of stick out like a sore th- thumb being, you know, six foot five and I have like wildly long uh, hair and, <laughs> you know, I'm like my own parade float whenever I walk through town or walk <laughs> in a, din- a diner a restaurant. And, you know, I get it because I have like heroes and role models in entertainment, whether it's in wrestling or sports or music or in rock bands that, you know, I admire and idolize. And when I meet people, they're like, oh, wow, you're the guy that trained Darren Young. I'm always looking to get into wrestling. And those people want to have a moment with you to talk. And that time that they get to speak to me, and again, I'm not special or important, but I do understand how people view me and the guys I've trained, the success I had. So that time that those people are speaking with me is very important to them. So I want to, you know, spend as much time with them as possible and, you know, give them a, a cool moment and take, if they want to take a picture or autograph or, or contact me on social media, you know, I do that all myself. You know, we have a lot of people on our Facebook and our Twitter and I answer them all back. You know, there's nights I'll be up to like one or two in the morning, wake up at five in the morning and answer them all back individually. You know, it's not an intern doing it. Right. You know, it's me, and, and you can't replace that, and there's a value on that. And I'm not just doing it, you know, with the hope that one day there'll be a customer. I mean, if that does happen, that is a nice benefit of it. But, you know, you have to genuinely be passionate about speaking to your customers or potential clients or, or just people in, in general. You know, you have to be passionate about it. They'll see through if it's phony. I'm sure you do that with your business. I mean, your social media is incredible, and I see your outreach and your website and everything you do, and you see that there's, you know, there's passion, there's passion behind it, and there's a personal touch from Pete, you know, yourself around everything you do, and you can't replace that. No, I mean, I think you're right. I think that that's critical. And you look at companies like, uh, like Carlos Bakery, for example. You know, Carlos Bakery. You've seen that show, um, Cake Boss, with Buddy yeah. Velastro. Yep. So, you know, his father starts the business, and he's smart enough and talented enough to build it into an empire. But there comes a point in time where I think people, they have success, and then they lose touch with that human element. And so now you'll call Carlos you know, Bakery in one of his multiple locations, and you get 
a, a you know a recording, and then by the time you get to a live person, so while you know he is successful, and I I, I certainly can uh, give him credit for what he's done. You can see that when companies get too successful, they start to lose that human interaction. And, and you're right. I think that that's the number one key because people are coming to a lawyer, an accountant, to a wrestling school, not just because of what you can do, but because of who you are. They connect with you personally. Yeah, they're buying, they're buying you just as much, if not more, than they are buying this product. And that was something I lost. I lost that human touch, that human interaction for a while. Because, again, I was so burnt out. I was worn down. Like, I knew what I was getting into, but I wasn't prepared for immediate immediate success day one. I was like, okay, we're going to open a wrestling school. We have our first open house. And after the open house, we'll have a few weeks or months with nobody coming in. And we'll use that time to figure out how we're going to do this. Right. And we had the first open house. And, like, 50 people showed up, and seven people joined. And then the next day, two people came in and joined. And they're like, okay, when's the first class? And I'm like, uh, I guess today. Here we go. <laughs> and, you know, so, you know, I, I got burnt out after a while. It happens to everybody. But you learn from your mistakes. You learn how to better deal with people. You have to, you know, when you deal with people, you know, you have to realize that everybody's going to have a good day and a bad day. And just because I have a good day, uh, just because I have a bad day or that person has a bad day doesn't mean that there has to be any long-lasting ill will. You have to look past that and relationship build and be in it for the long term with, with a customer or client or a friend, personal life or professional life. And that's how everybody grows. You have to grow with people together. You could never do it on your own. Whether I want to be a, rest, a wrestling trainer or run a business or I'm helping to teach these guys and girls how to be a wrestler, I can't do it on my own, and neither can they. And you need a team around you in business, professional, and personal life. You need a team to get through it, you know, no matter what line of work you're in, you know, or you won't succeed at all in, in the ring, in business, or out of the ring in personal life. You need that team around That's you. That's right. Let's talk about that for a second because we get a lot of questions from people that say, hey, listen, I'm just starting to, to build my business, and now it's time for me to hire an employee, and I don't know how to do it. When you are hiring people to work for you, what do you look for in the person? What kind of characteristics and what do you look and say, this is the person I want to work with me, and this person's a nice person, but they're not going to fit? What do you look for? I actually look at the person first more than their skill. You know, if if you have somebody that has amazing organizational skills, business skills, but they're late, they aren't motivated, they aren't passionate, it does not matter about their skills if they're going to be two hours late or they want to leave early or they're always on the phone. So I would rather have somebody with, I don't want to say mediocre skills, but I would rather have somebody with maybe a little bit less skills, but that is a good person, that is on time, that works hard, because that will overcome maybe the little bit lack of, of skills or maybe education they have. For example, I mean, as a kid growing up, I idolized Pete Rose. He was not 
the greatest baseball player of all time, but he worked his ass off every day, played hard, ran hard, slid hard, hustled hard on every play. And, again, I'm a Met fan. I hate to use this analogy, but the same thing. Derek Jeter, not the greatest baseball player of all time, but he shows up on time. He hustles. He runs everything out. He plays hurt. He never complains. He gets the job done. He does charitable stuff, wants no thanks or congratulations. And those are the people that you need around you, people with character, more than just looking at the stats or the numbers that this person, you know, puts up. You know, I'm, I'm sure you feel the same about that. It, it's, it's people yeah. first. It really is yeah, people I mean, first. You can, you can teach skill. You can teach uh, product. You can teach technique. But what you can't teach is passion and a drive and somebody who – holds themselves accountable and, and, and answers to themselves. I mean, I think that those are qualities that you want to look for because you can teach somebody the rest of the stuff, it's, but you can't teach them to be passionate. You can't teach them to have, uh, you know, a desire to perform at their top level regardless of what they're doing. So I agree yeah, with you 100%. You, yeah, you can – and again, like you said, that maybe that's when the time comes to have the conversation with that person – hey, look, um, maybe you being a wrestler isn't going to happen. How about you being a referee? Where in the IWF, we've had so far, we're going to add to this number, we've had 11 of our, of our graduates get full-time employment in wrestling. Not all of them are wrestlers. Right now, we have two referees that are in the WWE developmental program in Florida at NXT. One of them started as a wrestler and he could not get signed and was not given a contract as a wrestler. But while he was training at IWF, he also learned how to referee. Well, he signed as a referee. We have two people working full time behind the scenes, one in uh, creative TV writing uh, in the creative department and another one in TV production. And they both started as wrestlers and they were referees because they realized it wasn't going to happen for them as a wrestler. Now they're making their full-time living working with the WWE and they realize that, all right, I may not make it as a full-time wrestler, but you know, I'm still going to work in wrestling. I have these other skills. I'm going to work in TV or I'm going to be a referee. And that's what you have to do. It's that self analyzation as you talked about earlier, Pete, where, you know, all right, I may not be, you know, cut out to be an entrepreneur. Where if you're a professional wrestler, you are an entrepreneur, and that was something I learned by studying The Ultimate Warrior, where yeah. on the side, outside of WWE, he opened his own gym. He had a wrestling school. He had his own comic book line. He was a motivational speaker. He got involved in politics. And as he talked about in his Hall of Fame speech, everything he learned in wrestling, everything he learned from the WWE, and everything he learned from Vince McMahon prepared him for a life and businesses outside of wrestling. And, man, I studied him, and, you know, I don't want to say I ripped off all his ideas, but, hey, you know, nothing we do is original. It's combining the best ideas of, you know, people we admire. And he had his yeah. act together. And as much as people made fun of him for, you know, well, he wasn't a great wrestler, doesn't matter he wasn't a great wrestler. The fact is everybody knew he was a wrestler. You know, I get knocked. I'm a Kiss fan. I love Kiss, I love Motley Crue, I love Judas Priest, I love, you know, Iron Maiden, I love Alice Cooper. 
It does not matter that they are not great musicians. What matters is everybody knows that they exist. Yeah. Same thing. Donald, Donald Trump is not the best or most successful man in real estate, but he's the guy that everybody knows, and that's all that matters. Yeah, and you know something that's, that's important to take away from that is all those people that you've mentioned, right? Now, just you know, for clarification, I also happen to be a KISS fan, and I've followed them for years and years. I remember liking them back in sixth grade. But you know, all those people that you mentioned, every single one of them, has met with tremendous disappointment and failures and things that they've done have not worked and people have criticized them, you know, that you're going to come across every time you put yourself out there. I'm sure that there have been times when you put yourself out there with the IWF and things haven't gone well and you've been criticized. How do you deal with that? How do you deal with rejection and criticism in your business? You just got to keep going. I mean, one thing I was taught... I, I forgot who was the one that told to me. I mean, if I could remember, I'd definitely give them credit. I don't remember if it was the Hockey Talk Man or Dr. Tom Pritchard, you know, two legends who did classes at our school. But they had said there's no such things as failure or mistakes. It's information. You know, you can't look at it as, as something going wrong. You look at it as a learning opportunity. But if you make a mistake – don't make the same mistake twice. You know, you're going to make every mistake there is to make as long as you make each mistake once. And that's something I followed. So if you view it like that, there is no such thing as failure. You know, okay, now I know better. Yeah. Bang, get right back at it. And that's what you have to do. Yeah, and, you know, when you were talking about the guys that started off with you as wrestlers and then decided that they weren't getting what they wanted so they became referees, I think that's important because you have to be able to – be flexible in your outlook uh, uh, and, and uh, you know, with what you're doing in business. You know, if something's not working, isn't there a saying about insanity when you do the same thing that's not working over and over again and you get the same result? You know, right, um, the definition, yeah, the de definition yeah. of insanity, that's it. Yeah, so, you know, the guys you're talking about were able to be flexible enough to say, hey, I really love this, but this isn't working, but I can still stay with my passion. I just have to shift my focus a bit. And every business owner is faced with that. You must be faced with that all the time, you know, shifting your business to make sure that you're hitting what the people need and what works for you. You have to do it or you won't survive. I mean, look at me. I wanted to be a play-by-play sports announcer. I wanted to be what Kevin Burkhart is doing right now with SNY and Fox Sports. But Kevin Burkhart right now is one of the best play-by-play up-and-coming announcers. I mean, for God's sake, in his first year or two on Fox Sports, they gave him a playoff. He did an NFL divisional playoff game on Fox. Play-by-play. Yeah. So I look at it in hindsight and say, wait a minute. He is the best up-and-coming broadcaster that there is. But now I look at what I do, okay, you know, I'm pretty much unheard of, but I have my niche, and I'm pretty much one of the best up-and-coming wrestling trainers. So finding your niche is finding what you can do better than everybody else and carving that out. But the cool thing is, even though I miss 
broadcasting, I still get to do it all the time because right now I'm talking with you on your radio show. Instead of me being the host, I'm being interviewed. So I still get to do all these things I love, whether it's be on the radio, be interviewed on television, be creative. Uh, You know, I love art. I love creating. You know, part of wrestling is all creativity. So all of these other many passions that I had before that did not turn out into a full-blown business, I still use and rely on every day. So, you know, like you said, my guys that weren't able to make it as a wrestler that became a referee, hey, you're still in wrestling. You're a referee, but you're still in it. You know, you have to learn how to do everything, too. Like you said, you know, we turned human interaction and the human connection before social media, we learned how to do it. Now we could also do it through social media. So we adapted, we learned, we, we grew, and that's what you have to do. Businesses like yours and mine and anybody's out there, you have to adapt every day. You know, what you did today will not matter tomorrow because you're going to learn something new today. You're going to come across some idea or somebody's going to say something to you that's going to be, you know, wow, I wish I knew that yesterday. Oh, well, I'll apply it to what I'm doing today. Yeah, and you know, as you age and get up there in the 50s, 60s, 70s, if you still have a desire to keep your business successful, there are no excuses. Oh, I'm too old to learn that. I mean, that you look at some of the top executives who are in their 60s and 70s, you don't hear those excuses. Well, I, I, don't, I don't use a cell phone. I don't know how to use social media. That, that's not an excuse if you want to be successful. Regardless no. of your age, you have to embrace what's going on in, in the world technology, you know, and, and, uh, and learn how to do it. There's no such thing as too yeah. old. No, there isn't. There isn't. There's you a lot of guys that are, yeah, there's, there's a lot of guys that I talk about that are our age, and they say, oh, you know, I don't know how to do this. I don't know. Facebook, what do you do with that? I don't know. You know, I don't need to do that. But that's just not true, and, and that's a limitation that these people are placing on themselves. Yeah, Exactly. You know, something that you were talking about earlier um, with passion about getting out there and doing things and signing autographs and helping people, not because you're solely looking for business, but because it's something that you want to do. One thing that you do, which is really, really great, is you give back to the community. You've got a a show coming up on April 12th, uh, which benefits the Relay for Life. So if you go to your website and you look at some of the things that you've done, uh, giving back to the community is a major part of your business. What do you feel about that? Why do you do it? Um, and, and talk about that for a little bit. That was something I used. To, I learned as a kid where, um, you know, I'm not overly religious, but while a kid in middle school and high school, I was always involved in the church youth group where, you know, I believe more in, like, not that I'm here to talk about religion or politics or anything like that, but, you know, again, not being overly religious, but, you know, I have faith and my idea of religion isn't really going to church, but it's like giving back and helping people. So, you know, being involved in the youth group as a kid in high school, you know, we always did charitable things, gave back, you know, the soup kitchen, uh, clothing drives, food drives, uh, doing things to support children's organizations. So that was something I learned then and just continued with it into radio and television career as well as into wrestling career. And a lot of the big annual, you know, each event, 
the IWF, our spring event is always our anniversary. So this will be our 17th annual uh, event uh, in Nutley this Saturday night at the Parks and Rec Center. And all the proceeds benefit the Relay for Life, which is the signature event of the American Cancer Society. And each of our big spring annual anniversary shows is always to benefit a local charity. Uh, we're also doing a pet adoption at the event because I'm a big, you know, animal supporter. So we're going to have, you know, pets there for adoption. You know, all the money benefits Relay for Life. And it's very important to to give back and help people out because along the way people help me. So, you know, it's the least that we could do is is to give back. Yeah, I think that when you have a business, regardless of the size, I think that it's your social responsibility to help people when you can because, you know, there are those cynical people that say, oh, you people do that, you help out with charities because you know that, that it looks good and you're going to derive some sort of business benefit from it. And, you know, I'm not going to lie and say that there is no business benefit that people derive from getting their name out there. But if you go into a charitable event solely for the purpose of benefiting yourself or your business, it will backfire. That is not why you should do it. Yeah, people see that it's phony or you're just doing it just to do it. I mean, I started doing this, you know, as a kid, 14 years old in high school, charitable events, organizing coat drives, food drives for the local church. That's how I started. It's just something that was a part of me and something I brought I brought with me, and, you know, like you said, there is a social responsibility to give back. It is about teamwork. It's about being involved in the community. And, you know, one hand washes the other, where we help out different charities and community and civic organizations. We give back to them. They help spread the word about the business. It's a two-way street. You know, we both need each other to, to thrive yeah. and do, do the work that we do. And yeah. you'd be surprised, how, you know, like, I understand your, your comment about, you know, how many people say, oh, you're just doing it to look good for the charity. You know, whether that's the case or not, you'd be surprised the amount of businesses that don't do anything at all. I mean, maybe it's 1% of businesses or business owners that get involved in charitable things where, you know, I speak to people all the time. And they're like, well, I don't have the time, or I don't have the money to donate, or I don't have this, or I don't have that. And they just don't get it. That's the bottom. What do you mean you don't have time? Make time. Somebody made time for you along the way. You have to make time for this charity. Or, you know, somebody helped you out with money or or along the way. It's time for you to give back. And even if you don't have the money, give, barter something away. Give a gift. Give a product. You know, there's something to give, and it's something we all have to do, and, I think that's why, you know, the state of business is in the awful state it is, is because people don't know what they're doing and people don't give back and people don't know how to interact. You know, you look at all these these shows and reality shows where people get instant success and instant fame and, and people that watch these think, oh, that'll be me. I'm going to open up my business and I'm going to have instant success. But they don't do the research. They don't do the proper homework. They don't know what the market needs. And, you know, sometimes these reality shows and this, this claim of instant fame and stardom is misguided. And these people don't know what they're getting themselves into because, you know, the state every day walk by, you see different businesses closing and four rent signs yeah. and four lease signs everywhere. And people just don't know, don't know what they're doing. No, and then they, they, want, they want information, they want guidance, they want you to help them, but then when you help them, they don't give back, not necessarily to you, but to others, the same way that you said earlier, 
that, you know, you learn from people, you benefited from people, and it's time to give back. I, I see it a lot with the younger generation because there are, these are the kids that are growing up with, hey, I want to I watch a movie, so I'll download it on iTunes. You know, you and I had to wait for the, the movie to come out in the theater and then, you know, VHS and that sort of thing. But we live in an instant society. And you're completely right with the reality shows. You look at it, you don't really see what's behind the scenes of it all, and you just think that you're going to go out and, and do it. We work with a lot of startup businesses, and when the, um, the entrepreneurs start to develop their business, their first thought is, oh, this is easy, this will be easy. You know, I, I don't understand why you're making so much of this. And then you know, when you're six months into developing the business, they realize, wow, you, know, you were right, this isn't an overnight thing, and I'm not making a ton of money. Uh, right off the bat. So you're absolutely right. I agree with you 100%. Um, yeah, uh, and, and two, people don't see what happens to these reality stars when the show gets canceled or is pulled off the air. They don't see the life that they lead after that. You know, they had their 15 minutes of fame. Maybe after the reality show, you know, they'll be able to, you know, live off that for a little while. But it, it's going to fade away, and nothing – it sounds corny, but nothing replaces hard work. No, it's true, and people don't understand that. You know, um, you do a tremendous amount of hard work to get your business where it is, and you, you work just as hard, I think, to give back to the community, which is so important. Uh, I think that the ability to, to teach people and to give away some of your information, I think, is really relevant in this day and age because – that's how you succeed in business. You've got to be willing to give away some quote-unquote secrets. You know, you've got to be willing to help people, to talk to people. And I think that it's illustrated very well by what you do. Yeah, I mean, any, any pieces of advice that people can learn from, from people that have done it before, and that's all I've done. I never, I never read a business handbook I never took a business class. I never took a marketing class. You know, it was radio and TV, as we touched on earlier. You just learn how to do it. You learn how to promote yourself. You learn how to market yourself. I learned how to write. Uh, learned how to do interviews. You know, the radio and TV background definitely helped. But I studied people that came before me that did it well, whether it was in wrestling or business. I didn't read business handbooks, but I read, you know, Donald Trump's books and his business books. You know, it wasn't a, business, it wasn't a how-to business book per se. His books are how he did it. Right. And, again, it does not matter that he is not the most successful real estate guy. The fact is that he's perceived to be the most successful real estate guy, and perception sometimes is greater than reality. And the same thing with, with Gene Simmons. It does not matter – whether or not you like Kiss's music. What matters is just about everybody on planet Earth knows that logo or knows, oh, those four guys at the face paint, they're, they're uh, musicians. Right. That's all that matters. And it's about branding, and I studied all his books. And even now, Marcus Lamanis and The Prophet on CNBC, what an amazing show. I mean, that show teaches you business. I mean, every business owner – that show should be required watching. If you're an entrepreneur, business owner, even an employee at anywhere, that show should be mandatory for you to watch every Tuesday night, you know, because it, it really has taught me a lot as well. 
Yeah, I think that that's um, what we have found over the last few years of helping you know businesses get off the ground. It doesn't make a difference that you don't have a Harvard education. It's kind of the school of hard knocks that really makes you the best business person or entrepreneur that you can be. And the ability to say, you know, I need to learn more. It doesn't mean read a textbook, but I'm going to study other people, see what's going on, watch things, and constantly grow. So that's critical, I think, to success, not just adapting and not just being flexible and, and the things that we talked about earlier, but continued growth and development. You know, it's one thing to say, yeah, you're going to be flexible, but what if you don't know how to be flexible? What if you don't know how to keep up on current trends? Because you're not studying them. You're not at least aware of what's going on around you. So that continued learning is critical to success. And the only way to do that is to get out there and do it. I mean, the classroom is only good if you want to study algebra. It's true. Yeah, it's really you know, true. Like, you know, uh, not that we're sitting here telling people don't go to school. That is not, not the point of this <laughs> at all. But the study, like the, the point I made earlier, you suggested what do you look for an employee, and I'd rather have somebody that's hardworking, on-time, professional, and reliable over somebody that has awesome business skills but is a loser. You don't want that person around you. It's the same thing. Think about it. Like when, when people apply to colleges, when you send in your college, uh, submit your co college application, colleges would rather take a student that gets all B's and C's but maybe played a high school sport, was involved in the high school newspaper, organized a community blood drive, uh, was involved in youth activities. They, the college is more likely to accept their application than somebody that gets all A's and B's and does no extracurricular or community activities. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's how you have to look at it, and that's how I look at it in, in business too, you know, like business associates of mine that I have and friends of mine that, that have successful businesses. You know, we all have the same qualities, and, you know, it's a people any, – anything you do is a people business, no matter what you do, whether it's wrestling, law, you own a Best Buy, it's all the people business. It's all about people and yep. building relationships and taking care of customers. Yeah, and, you know, to, to touch on what you said, I mean, I went to school uh, with kids that, that, you know, graduated in law school top of their class. I, I worked on Wall Street with guys that had graduated Harvard Law that are uh, out of work. So it's not necessarily what your educational background is. I mean, sure, there's some benefit to graduating from Harvard because of the people that you know, but that, again, is the people versus just the fact that you have a diploma from Harvard. So um, it, it really is something that I think uh, people need to kind of look into and understand a little bit more, that it's not necessarily people knock where, where you and I went to school. You know, oh, you know, I know people, that. people I talk, my own sister-in-law knocks where we went to school. But you know what? It doesn't make a difference. Look where you are. You know, you have this successful business. And does it make a difference that we didn't go to Harvard? I don't think so. My, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. My, my sister went to Princeton, and my brother went to Seton Hall, and I went to Willie P. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? 
look at like we reeled off the list of people before just in our class, you know, of yeah. people that uh, are successful from William Patterson. And I can't speak enough about that college and the communication department and and what I yeah. learned there and all the people that that became successful from going going to that school and learning. And you know, a lot of it we did it together because the people that we worked with our group, the TV station or radio station, you know, we fed off each other and kept each other awake at night and, and did our thing. And that's what you have to do. It was a team. And there were a lot of people that came and went the same in wrestling. I'm sure the same at law school, there's people that come and go, but the people that stuck around year after year and semester after semester, you know, bonded and, and, and saw, you know, the hard work that it takes and, you know, um, Owning your own business, like like you said before, you know, to put a different spin on it, people say, oh, owning your own business, that's great. You could set your own hours and take vacation whenever you want. What? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> set your own hours? You know, we, since, you know, we're moving into the new location in Nutley, you know, honest to, to, honest to God, for the past um, uh, four weeks, I've been going to bed at midnight or one in the morning, and getting up at 4 or 5 in the morning. So I've been getting four hours sleep basically every night for a month, and I'm not setting an alarm. I just wake up 4 or 5 in the morning enthusiastic, ready to go. And, you know, if if you don't have that passion, then you're not meant to be a self-starter and and do your own thing. And, again, there is nothing wrong with that. That's right. Kevin, we're running out of time, and I want to make sure that you can, um, you know, tell people where to go to find you on the web and about your upcoming April 12th show. So if you want to, you know, give that information out now, that would be great. Sure. It's campiwf.com, C-A-M-P-I-W-F.com. We have the big event, 17th annual uh, IWF fundraiser, benefits American Cancer Society's Relay for Life at the Parks and Rec Center in Nutley, New Jersey, not far out of New York City. Uh, you can always find us on Twitter. It's at Wrestling IWF. That's the Twitter, Facebook, and, and Instagram, at Wrestling IWF, and hopefully we'll see everybody soon. Yeah, I really encourage everybody to go check out the website, um, you know, look at, at what Kevin's doing because he's really done a tremendous job at creating a business out of a passion, and he's been very successful with the people that he has trained and that he works with. So uh, I encourage everybody to check that out. Kevin, I'd like to have you back on. Maybe we do a shorter segment at some point to answer some of the questions that we were receiving while we were on the air. We didn't get a chance to get to them. So if that's if you're up for that, I'd love to have you back for a, for a you know a shortened period of, of time on the show. Anytime, Pete. Anything you need. All right. So I'd like to thank you, Kevin, for being on. I want to encourage everybody go check out the April 12th show. Uh, I think I'm going to take my kids to see it. I think that everyone should go uh, and see it. And Kevin, thank you again. I want everybody to remember, uh, we've got a show coming up next Monday. Uh, we're still waiting on the guests, so we'll update that on our Facebook and social media pages. Remember, everybody, that there's power in understanding the law. <laughs>